What is uh, slash? Go do that. You go to the bus. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome, all you sports fans, to the Sin Bin. I'm your host, James Rasmussen, owner of Powerplay Sports. And as always, today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Visit MyBookie.ag, use code POWERPLAY, and get a 50% deposit match. And let's just jump right into it. Week 15, NFL, honestly, can go fuck itself. We finished 8-9. and nine on the ATS against the spread. We finished 6-6, six and six, 50% on the over-unders, and it was just a disaster of a week. And being our first episode, we're going to talk NFL, we're going to talk all sports, NHL, NBA, some of the bullshit going on in sports. We're going to talk about it right now. So let's get right into this disaster of week 15, straight down top to bottom. Chargers and Raiders, 30-27. to 27. Raiders took a loss. Lost on the point spread. What else could we ask for? Derek Carr came into the game, somehow pulled a groin muscle running five yards down the field. And lo and behold, Marcus Mariota comes in, hasn't took more than, what, two snaps in the last two years or whatever the hell. And then all of a sudden, he's blowing up. He's running the ball. He's passing the ball. He actually looks like the Mariota of old. In the end, it still just wasn't enough. I was for sure they were going to cover three and a half points. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case at all. Next, we have the Bills and the Broncos. This was a monster blowout. 48-19 Bills. We took the over 49.5. We hit that. We took the Bills and laid 6.5 points. We hit that as well. Panthers at the Packers was 16-24. We took a loss on that. The hook killed us. Uh, Packers were given 8.5 points. Uh, the over was 51 and a half. We didn't play it. It would have gone under. Now let's talk about this terrible Bucks-Falcons game. Bucks were at the Falcons. Bucks won 31-27. However, the problem was we lost on the spread, but we won on the over. But here's what pisses me off the most. Once again, Tom Brady gets the luckiest fucking calls out there possible. Your third and one, third and inches, you run the ball, four net goes down. Clearly. He's down a yard short. But what happens? Look at the replay the NFL showed. Showed the referee moving that fucking ball a whole yard. Then, when they go to measure for the first down, you see that jackass linesman holding the first down flag, lean it backwards, and then the ref, who's in Tom Brady's pocket, gives him the first down. What's that do? Every Bucks better in the world was screaming up and down because the bullshit cost the game for the points. You were up by four. You needed the field goal. If you wouldn't have got the first down, you would have kicked the field goal and covered the points. Now, what the hell is wrong with Atlanta? Matty Ice, I have no idea. No idea what the hell to even tell this guy. What's he got to do? I mean, you go into these games, you're playing half-ass decent, and then all of a sudden, oh, here comes Tom Brady, and we lose by three. Sorry, lose by four. And the worst part about it is, is you probably could have won the game. I mean, the Bucks betters would have been pissed, but you could have showed something to your Falcons fans. Rise up, right? Isn't that it? Rise up. Come on, Atlanta. ATL. 
No. You sit on your ass, you stick your thumb up your ass, and you ride the bench. You can't win a game to save your ass. So, move on. Maybe it's time for a new team. Now, let's touch base on this Lions-Titans game. The line came out ten and a half, stayed the same all week. We took the Titans and laid the points, and they blew it out. 25-46. Not only do we win on the points, we hit the over. 51 and a half. So we double-dipped on that one. 49ers at the Cowboys. This should have been a lock for us. Cowboys plus three, even though you never know what team you're going to get. They play like ass sometimes. No Ezekiel Elliott. So that was a little scary walking into this. But Pollard did a damn good job. We won on the point spread, plus three Cowboys. However, we lost on the under. He called it 45 under. Who would have thought this game would have been 74 points total? I certainly didn't. I thought this would have been a low-scoring game, just another wash for the Cowboys, and the shit would have been over. But it wasn't. Texans at the Colts. My issue with this one is, the hook killed it. Phillip Rivers can be a good quarterback, but the Colts just don't cover. And I find myself taking the Colts every week. Why I do it to myself, I don't know. They had to win by 7.5. We took a loss on that. The overall over-under was 50 and a half. And between these two high-scoring teams, scored 47 points combined. The final score, Colts 27, Texans 20. And I can't believe that Phillip Rivers couldn't beat this high school football team by 10 points. Next, Bears and the Vikings. Final score, 33-27. We took the Bears plus three and a half. We hit on the point spread. However, nobody thought this would score the way it was for a total of 60 points. We took 47 and the under, and we got our asses handed to us on that one. Seahawks at the Redskins. Final score was 20-15. to 15. The Seahawks, once again, don't cover a fucking game. We laid the 5.5 points, and we took a huge loss on that. Now here's what's most disturbing. We said if Alex Smith played, take the Redskins and the 5.5 points. If Haskins played, and all the struggles that he has, take the Seahawks and lay the points. What the hell did Haskins do in this game? And better yet, what did Russell Wilson do to only win by five points to once again not cover a spread in the Seahawks' favor? Quite honestly, this game probably should have been 40-15, to because that's how good I think the Seahawks are. I have no clue what's wrong with this team, why they just can't put up points. You're in the NFC West. Who do you have to go against? The 49ers and the Rams? The Rams are playing like hot fucking garbage right now. So if you can't beat the Washington football team, Redskins, whatever, I hate calling them the fucking football team. If you can't beat the Redskins by five and a half points, you can't beat them by a touchdown. Miss the extra point. Do you really think you deserve to go to the playoffs? playoffs? We're late in the season. You can't beat a team like the football team, Redskins. By six points. Now this next one, I was laughing all the way to the bank. Patriots at the Dolphins, and I love this matchup. Every year, Dolphins at Patriots, and I always take the Dolphins. The Dolphins, for whatever reason, love to kick the shit out of the Patriots. This one is another prime example. Dolphins 22, Patriots 12. We laid the points with the Dolphins. We told you to do it. Minus two, we took the win there. The only issue we had was. We thought it was going to be a higher scoring game, which it probably should have been. It ended with a total of 34 points. 
The over-under was 41. We took the over. We took the loss on that. But you know what? I'll take it because I got to see Tua beat the piss out of Bill Belichick, and it made me smile all fucking day long. And simply put, Patriots are out of the playoffs for the first time since 2008. The defense of the Miami Dolphins are just making everybody look silly. And how many games in a row does Miami have a defensive turnover? I think it's, what, 22 games or something like that? I mean, it's, it's unheard of for a team that looked like a piece of shit for the last four years. I mean, what the hell you had? You don't have anything. But you got a badass defense, apparently, because you're kicking the shit out of everybody and turn, making them turn the ball over. Jaguars at the Ravens. We said this game was going to be a mob. The Ravens just demolished. Lamar Jackson comes out every week he plays. And once again, I'm going to say it. I hate this fucking guy more than Tom Brady. And I don't even think it's the fact that I hate Tom Brady. What I think I hated about Tom Brady was the Bill Belichick system and that he played on the Patriots and never lost. It seemed every year, who'd you have? The Patriots. Patriots this, Patriots that. Guess what? I'm so glad every Patriots fan can kiss my ass this year because you're not in the playoffs and it makes me smile. It makes my day. And now, this clusterfuck of a game, the Jets at the Rams. How do the Rams lay 17 and a half points? I don't even know what Vegas made on this game, but it is an absurdity. Rams are laying 17 and a half. We lost on that one. We played 43 and a half on the over. We lost on that one too because the total, guess what? 43. The hook once again got us. The hook always seems to get us. But that's fine. Do you know it's the eighth straight game that the Jets scored a touchdown on their first possession, on their opening drive? This team sucks, and they score the last eight games on their first possession. And what made it even more silly is the Rams just looked like hot frickin' garbage. How can the Jets run all over this team? In the first half, it was 17-0. Nobody was in sync. The Rams couldn't complete passes. The Rams couldn't run the ball. What the hell was going on? Jared Goff looked like Carson Wentz, which is going to lead me into my next section here. You know, how do you go from a star-caliber QB to looking like you can't play Pee-wee football. And before I get on the Eagles-Cardinals game, because I got a lot to say about that one, I got some comparisons. We're going to skip that for right now and talk about the Chiefs and the Saints. Chiefs minus three and a half. We laid the points. Typical, the hook killed us. We did hit the 51 and a half over, though, so I'll take that. One out of two is better than nothing. And it could be 0-2. Final score was 32-29. But why was the game so close? Breeze, for the first time in his career through, I think he started 0-6, pass completions. You guys never had more than four in his entire career. So, I mean, what the hell? I mean, were his ribs hurting that bad? I mean, he came out and said, oh, I can play. I wouldn't play if I didn't think I was up to it. Well, maybe you should have let Taysom Hill play, and you might have won the fucking game. And now the game we called the lock of the week for the sin bin. The Browns at the Giants. Wasn't a barn burner. It was kind of a snooze fest for a little bit. It was up and down. Final score was 20-6, to six, Browns over the Giants. When we played it, we said 4.5, Browns minus 4.5. When we took it, it ended up being minus 6 because we realized at the time, Jason Garrett was out of the game. He wasn't coaching. So it immediately jumped from 4.5 to 6. 
I laid the six points and I hit it. Better yet, I laid the 44 under and we hit that as well. So we double dipped and did exactly what we said go cash the ticket. But I think what's more impressive is you have Colt McCoy, who comes as a backup quarterback because Daniel Jones, Danny Tenpennies, because he's a bum, can't play because he has a high ankle sprain or whatever the fuck, a calf sprain or whatever the hell is wrong with him. He's still not playing. So what do you do? You have Colt McCoy. Now, Colt McCoy isn't terrible. But he's also not in college. He's not at the University of Texas, and he's not out there winning championships. He doesn't have the open field. The guys aren't playing the nickel, man-to-man. Man man. He can't just throw all over the place. But he is fast. He can run. But he doesn't have the success he had at Texas University. Giants, flat out, just have too many missed opportunities. How many fourth-down drives did they have? How about missed field goals? These guys can't put up points. If you put up balloons on the side of a barn and said, you know what, blow them up. Here's a stick of dynamite, blow them up. They would still miss every balloon on the side of that barn. And now to the garbage Monday night football game where the Steelers traveled out to Cincinnati to visit the Bengals and got their asses handed to them. We lost lane to 13 with the Steelers. We won on the 40 and a half on the over. But let's talk about a couple other things here. How do the Steelers go from 11-0 to 11-3? This is their fourth straight game where they've scored under 20 points. And here you go. The Steelers played the Ravens. They won 19-14. They played the Redskins. They lost 23-17. They played the Bills, and they lost 26-15. And of course, just yesterday, they lost 27-17 to the Bengals. What's wrong with Big Ben? What's his issue? Because it looked like he was throwing ducks. He was praying to God that he wasn't going to get hit and killed on the football field. Is his arm that bad? Is his surgery get screwed up? How the hell did the Jets and the Bengals win these games? I just, I can't fathom in my mind how these two teams, the worst teams in the league, can go and, and just, they blew out their opponents. And touching on that, if I was Adam Gase, I would hide under a rock for the rest of this year all the way through the draft next year because you cost yourself your franchise quarterback, you dumb piece of shit. Why would you go out? I understand football is a game of competition. It's very competitive. There's a lot of emotion. I understand all of that. You want to win. Everybody on that field wants to win. But you, all year long, have played for the number one draft pick in the 2021 draft, and you go out and you destroy the Rams. What the hell is wrong with you? I shouldn't even say destroy the Rams. You won by three points. So let me, let me just take a step back. You won by three points. But the issue is the Jaguars still have a more shitty record than you do, and guess what? You just gave them Trevor Lawrence, you dumb shit. I hope you hide under a rock. I hope the owner fires your ass because you just gave up a franchise quarterback that you needed. So now let's touch back on this Eagles-Cardinals game. I have no idea what to even say. Took the Eagles plus six. We lost. Total score was 33-26. to 26. Any other week I would have played the Cardinals, the Eagles would have won this game. Because it just seems that any time I either bet for the Cardinals or bet against the Cardinals, it's the wrong direction. 
just seems that way. No matter how sure of a lock I think it is, it just comes out the other way. We lost on the points. We Eagles plus six. We played the under 49 and a half. We lost that too because lo and behold, they put up 59 points combined. So what the hell happened to us this week? I have no freaking clue. Eight and nine on the ATS, seven and six on the over-unders. It was just a disaster of a week. Disaster. But more importantly, what the hell is going on in Philly? Wentz wants out? What happened to Wentzylvania? Well, big tough guy isn't a starting quarterback right now. He's riding the bench, and he's got feelings. He's hurt. He wants out. He's a crybaby. But let's really think about it. Does Wentz have a Super Bowl ring? Yes. He was injured that year. Let's not forget. I believe he went out in week 14, if I'm not mistaken. Nick Foles stepped in. So he is a Super Bowl champ, per se. But Foles won that Super Bowl for the Eagles. The Eagles made a piss-poor decision in getting rid of Foles. Personally, I think Foles was the better quarterback, but I understand they laid all this money and faith into Wentz. Now he wants out. Nick Foles was the one who stepped up during that season. Wentz is still injury-prone. He's a crybaby. You're playing like dog ass. You don't know what to do with your team. You're like 60%, if that, for the year in completions, and you're like 15 interceptions already through the year. That's the most you've had. So let's do a quick comparison. Drafted in 2016. So I did a comparison here. We got Wentz, Goff, and Dak Prescott. So Carson Wentz, 2016-17 year. 3,782 yards, 16 TDs, and 14 interceptions. You had 62.4% completion percentage. You're falling, you're 17-18. 3,296 yards, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and a 60% completion. That's the year you were injured, week 14. So let's go a step further. 18-19 year, 3,074 yards, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, but your completion percentage jumped to almost 70%, 69%. We're going to skip 19-20, but let's look at this year. This year, 2,620 yards, 16 touchdowns, and you have 15 interceptions and a whopping 57.4% completions. Why are you taking such a step back for being a number two draft pick? And when you compare him to Goff, 16-17 for Goff, Goff had a little over 1,000 yards, 1,089, five touchdowns and seven interceptions. But he was a backup. He had a 54%, 54% completion percentage. In 17-18, obviously as a starter, he had 3,804 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven picks, and a 62.1 completion percentage. So both of them were on par interception-wise. Uh, Goff, uh, 600 more yards, less touchdowns. That's fine. I'm sure the Rams can live with that. But 18-19, Goff had 4,688 yards, 32 TDs, and 12 picks, and a 65% completion percentage. So in comparison, he has more touchdowns, more picks, 1,700 more freaking yards. That's your number one pick of the, of the 2016 draft. So you compare these two, two guys here, let's take a step further. Dak Prescott, drafted number 135, 
the fourth round of the 2016 draft by the Cowboys. His first year in, 1617, 3,667 yards, 23 TDs and four picks, and a 67.8 completion percentage. One pace with Wentz, far exceeded Goff. I mean, Goff just count him out that year. But TDs, he threw more, less picks, and a higher completion percentage. Now Prescott in 1718, he throws for 33-24 yards, 22 TDs and 13 picks, and he had a 62.9 completion percentage. So his picks were higher, less TDs, and they were pretty much even on yards. Now, 18-19. Again, he's, he's trending up. 3,885 yards compared to Wentz's 3,074. So he had 800 more yards, 22 TDs to Wentz's 21, 8 picks to his 7, and a 67.7 completion percent compared to 69.6 for Wentz. So they're pretty much on par. And this guy's a fourth-round pick. We skipped 1920, but here's where... And you can't even compare this here. So Prescott was injured in Week 5. He had already thrown 1,850 yards, 9 TDs, and 4 picks, and his completion percentage was 68%. But you look at that here, and this is where I think it's, it's hysterical. Wentz, this year, benched in Week 14 only threw for 2,620 yards, 16 TDs, and 15 picks, and you only had a 57.5% completion rate. Why are you trending backwards, and why are you having a ball baby fit when getting fucking benched? Do you think your 2,000 yards passing and your 15 touchdowns through 14 games you're proud of? Because if I were you, I'd bury my head in the fucking sand that I wouldn't come back up until I was able to throw the ball. Now, can you really blame all this on Carson Wentz? Of course not. You have no receivers this year. Your guys can't catch a ball. You have no offense support. Miles Sanders is probably your best guy on the team right now. But when you look at everything in the last five years you've been in the league, here's the career stats. And I'm, I'm going to give these to you top to bottom, based on yardage. So the number one of the three had 17,937 yards. 107 TDs, 54 picks, and a 63.6 completion percentage. And second of the three was 17,634 yards, 106 TDs, 40 picks, and a 66% completion percentage. And last of the three, 16,811 yards, 113 TDs, 50 picks, and only a 62.7 completion percentage. Now here's what's interesting. Of all those three, Wentz is dead last, based on yardage. He has more TDs. He's pretty much one pace with Goff for picks. Goff was your number one. Prescott was your number two. But when you look at percentage, completions, Prescott is the quarterback, I think, of these three. I think Dak Prescott ultimately is the better of all three of them. I'm not a Cowboys fan by any means, but Prescott can play ball. He's And for a fourth-round pick, do you realize this guy, what his salary was for a fourth-round pick? And here you got the number one and number two pick playing competitive, but you got this guy making millions of dollars less than you, and he's out there balling. He's just out there throwing bombs. You know, he has Zeke. 
now, but he comes into the league. He has a decent receiving core, but him and Goff are on pace. You know, TDs are good. He's got 14 less picks, but he's got a higher completion percentage. So if I were Wentz, as I just said, go bury your head in the fucking sand, what the hell's wrong with you? If you went out of Philly, I don't think you got the balls to do it. I don't think you and your agents are, are going to stand your ground. I think you're going to be on the Eagles next year. You're going to be on the bench. You're going to be helping Jalen Hurts run this team because Jalen Hurts is the future of this franchise. Jalen Hurts is a tough son of a bitch. Carson Wentz, you are fragile. You're a fucking Barbie doll from North Dakota State, and you don't deserve to be a starting quarterback based on this year's numbers. If we're considering what you've done over the last four years, not counting this year, you're half decent. I'll give you that. But you're still injury prone. The year you guys won the Super Bowl, Foles comes in and throws damn near 1,000 yards in the playoffs, 971 yards. But he had a 72% completion percentage rate in the entire playoffs. And he won your Super Bowl. He was your Super Bowl MVP, not you, Carson. So what the hell? Why are you acting like a little bitch? That's what I want to know. I want to know why Carson Wentz is not happy being a team player. You're upset because you're not the starter. But guess what? Your team's putting up numbers. Your team's actually playing. Maybe not as a whole, but it's getting there. Jalen Hurts has put a spark into the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's what the Philadelphia fans want. They want that spark. They want to throw snowballs at Santa. We hate not being able to go to these football games. I want to throw snowballs at Santa. 2020 has sucked. You suck. Ride the bench. Sit the fuck down. And with that, we're going to ride this into our favorite sport at Power Play Sports, the National Hockey League. So finally, we have a tentative agreement. 56-game season, based on a couple factors. It starts January 13th of 21. The end date is projected for May 8th. The playoffs are going to start May 11th. The divisions are going to be a little bit different this year because we have a Canadian Northern, then in the U.S. we have East, Central, West. Haven't completely seen the lineups yet, but ultimately what's going to happen is in the U.S. divisions, each team is going to play each other eight times. And it might come down to, it's going to look like an MLB schedule where you might play a three-game series against this person, move on to you know, a two-day break, go to your next team, play them for two, three, four games take your day breaks, and you're just going to play that cycle out. But here's one thing that I believe was put in here, and it's player safety, and that's fine. But if the players opt out and the teams allow them, they forfeit the salary for the year, but their contract carries over for one additional year. So let's say Austin Matthews decides not to play this year. The team allows them to do so, to opt out. His contract Instead of twenty twenty instead of twenty one twenty two, it would then start twenty two twenty three. He would just carry that extra year over. What irks me with, I think this new new style of sports is NHL wants to look like the European leagues, where we want sponsors on the uniforms, and I think the by putting sponsors on these hockey sweaters or jerseys, whatever you want to call them, I think it's going to take away from the sleekness 
of these new jerseys that Adidas has put out. I can maybe see putting something on the helmet, and I know that's what they were mostly talking about, is you know, having sponsors on the helmets, that's a start. What's that going to do? It's going to increase the revenue that the NHL has lost. You know, that revenue they have to split with the Players Association. I'm fine with having sponsors. If it doesn't look like just shit, if it, if it looks sleek, if it looks like the NHL, I can live with it. I mean, the Capitals have already come out and say when their helmets, it's going to be a Capital One bank or Capital One arena or whatever the fuck it's going to be on their helmet, but it's Capital One something. Um, there's no inkling of how big it is, how terrible it's going to look, but I think that's where we're going with sports. I mean, for the first time in a century, MLB has finally allowed a logo on the front of the chest of their jerseys. You know, when Majestic was on the side, who'd you have before that? Rawlings, Wilson, all those were on the sleeve, or you, know, you had your jock tag on the bottom front. But for the first time, you they allowed Nike, of all people, to put their logo on the front of a jersey. And unfortunately, I think that's the way that U.S. sports is going, is that we're looking for revenue, looking for any kind of ad space that they can get, because right now COVID is kicking everybody's ass. So what do we do? We allow a couple of sponsors to put some shit on, on a helmet. That's fine. I'm not looking to have a full-size helmet with a big Capital One bank on it. You know, that, that's just going to look ungodly and hideous. But I also don't want somebody like the Montreal Canadiens in their beautiful red and blue sweaters to have a bright yellow Suncoast video helmet. I mean, that's just going to look terrible. So I hope that's not the route they're trying to go. But I hope that they keep it sleek. I hope they keep it just like the jerseys we have now. Because in the end, I think if you start messing with the NHL jerseys, you're going to have a lot of fans that are upset. And they're just going to stop buying. We don't want this to look like the European leagues where you got sponsors all over your jerseys, your sleeves, your fronts, your back. Nobody wants that. I don't want it. And I'll be very disappointed if that's the route that the NHL goes. I mean, I've always made fun of the NBA as soon as they started allowing sponsors. I always said, you know, it, it's, a, it's a damn NASCAR sport now. It's, you know, we got the DuPont Coca-Cola basketball. What are we going to have next? The DuPont Coca-Cola hockey puck drop? I mean, I, just, I don't want it. I understand that's how we're going. I can live with it if it's tasteful. If it's just hideous, and I continue to say that, hideous, I don't want it. And I'll be extremely upset to the fact that Bateman is probably going to get a letter from me. I don't care if it ever gets to him or not. But I think I'm a pretty good wordsmith. And I'll write that letter. I don't care. What are you going to do? Come hunt me down? And since we just touched on it, tonight we have the first games of the NBA season. We have the Golden State Warriors at the Brooklyn Nets. 7 p.m. tip-off. Followed by the 10 p.m. game, which is the L.A. Clippers. At the LA Lakers. I have no clue who I'm taking in these games, but just at a quick glance, I'm probably going to take the Nets, lay the points. And when I looked, I think both games were minus three and a half. So don't quote me on those, but either way, I'm taking both home teams, the Nets and the Lakers, lay whatever points it is, and just ride it out. Until these teams get a little bit further in, you know, we've had, what, two weeks of NBA basketball, and honestly, I haven't watched one single game yet. I've been so busy, I just don't have the time. I haven't even looked at highlight clips or anything. But basketball is here, 
Thank God there's a sport here. Brooklyn, Lakers, take it with the points and see how it plays out. Next week, we'll go through some more stuff. Maybe some Christmas games. I know there's five games on Christmas. Uh, I'm going to try and do something on Thursday here. Do uh, the points, the spreads for football, do the spreads for basketball. Do a little bit of research on some of these teams this year because honestly, I've not followed basketball at all during the offseason. It's been all football, 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 and we're going to leave it at that. With that said, we're going to wrap this episode up. It's been fun. It's the sin bin. It's uncensored. And as always, it's brought to you by mybookie.ag. Visit, use code POWERPLAY, and get a 50% deposit match. Also brought to you by PowerPlay Sports Marketing, where you can find us on social media, Facebook, and Instagram using at PowerPlay Sports Marketing. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast, click that subscribe button, watch for every new episode, give us a shout, give us a listen, visit anchor.fm slash the sinbin, and you can leave us a voice message, and we'll talk about whatever you say on the podcast. Have a good night. See you all soon.